Welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. And here he is, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Jerry Springer. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, holy cow. I decided to wear the same sweater I wore last week. Mm. Okay. Hey. um, (laughs) All right, then. You know, everyone's always writing in wanting you know. In one of those thousands of, of emails, emails. We get, they're always well, commenting. Hundreds. I don't know. I've ever okay. said thousands. I that thought you said thousands, dozens. but now it's hundreds. Dozens. How about four? All from all from Gene. All from Gene. Gene. Hands full. Hands full. Uh, you know, I have this summer, and I did it last summer, and probably the summer before that. I'm always on us, the three of us, as the co-hosts of this podcast that we do something spectacular. Mm. Sure. That we just do something important. <clears throat> yes. And I have pushed for, and it's never really gotten traction with you guys, <laughs> to set the world record, the Guinness Book of Record, for the number of miles in a one-week period put on a one-week unlimited miles rental car. I mean, that's important. To drive around yeah, the country, that's around that's and around, and see if you can break that record, set that record. There it's is no inspirational. Record. I, I can't what think I was thinking. more inspirational. <laughs> So I had a guy on a few weeks ago who I met while I was cycling out on the Little Miami bike trail who is riding. He came from Montreal, Canada. He's going to Tierra del Fuego, the end of the earth, at the tip of Argentina. Mm -hmm. And we talked to him over the phone in Guatemala. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, it was very cool. So then my I got a son, Mitch, you know, 40-something Mitch, who is a marathon runner. I just thought Guatemala, they're having the series. Yeah, I know. Have we heard from him? I have not heard from him, but so that's uh, uh, Jerome Palette, and we'll have to see if we can make contact. He's on our website, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. So then my my son Mitch, who's a marathoner, uh, said that he knew a guy who is one of his trainers, who is a Cincinnatian, who is setting this summer trying to set the record for hiking or traveling. Let's put it that way: the Appalachian Trail. And just to kind of set this up, he's a Cincinnati teacher. He's with the School for Creative and Performing Arts. So he is a Cincinnati public school, high school teacher. He started on May 30th a traveling of the Appalachian Trail. Well, let's just lay it out here. He's what's called a trail runner. Yes. It normally takes about six months. You go through 14 states. It's about 2,200 miles long. Early people who, when they first get on, travel it at about 8 to 10 miles an hour, a day. Then it pushes up to about 15 when they get their legs under them. And then really when they're doing big days, because I've hiked sections of the Appalachian Trail, they'll get up to 20 to 25 miles. That's really... In a day? In a day. Wow. This guy yesterday, Harvey Lewis is his name. Cincinnati, Ohio, is in his 40s. We'll find this out when we talk to him. He did a 62-mile day yesterday. Holy cow. He ran 62 he's, miles? He's trying to finish in 45 <laughs> days. The record was set by a guy named uh, Joe Stringbean McConaughey, and he did it in 45 <laughs> days, 12 hours, and 15 he minutes. He wasn't a string bean when he started. But, <laughs> right? <laughs> Now, Harvey's they called doing, him Big Joe when he started. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> He's now yeah. string bean Harvey's Joe. doing what is called a supported uh, run, 
meaning he has his dad with him. They have a van. Uh, they have some other people from the Cincinnati area, fellow mm -hmm. runners who've taken interest in this. People are driving food out to him. Yesterday, somebody brought him a burrito from Chipotle, and they, they keep Harvey. that's Harby. what you want while you're while You can follow Harvey. Well, that'll make you run faster. <laughs> there you go. I don't know about that. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, you can. a gas-powered run. <laughs> yeah. You can follow Harvey at roadid.com, R-O-A-D, I-D like identification, roadid.com. I wear one of those. Road ID is a sponsor. They're a Covington, Kentucky company that's adjacent to Ludlow, Kentucky, mm -hmm. where the Folk School Coffee Parlor is. And they produce a wearable things. I wear the wristband that is printed on there. It's engraved your name, your medical information, and the person to call, and a phone number. I got my wife's name on here and a phone number because I cycle and backpack and I do all this stuff. And if, if you get hurt, this gives you the peace of mind of knowing somebody's going to know quickly what they need what they to know. Need. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't put my number on it. Yeah, that's right. Sorry, it goes so, to voicemail. <laughs> so Road ID is his sponsor, and he is somewhere on the Appalachian Trail. 14 states, I think he may be coming close to Virginia now, and he just started like nine days ago. Yeah. Wow. So uh, we are trying to reach him by cell phone somewhere on the Appalachian Trail, because, by the way, this is all backcountry stuff, yeah. not out in the cities. Uh, David Proust, do we have Harvey Lewis on the line? Let's see. Hey, Harvey, are you there? Hey, I'm here. All right, hey, got him. Thank, thank you so much for uh, having me on the show. You really take the show everywhere, don't you? Yeah, we try. Well, we do. It looks like you're the one taking it everywhere. You ran, seriously. Well, I tell you, it, it, it's uh, a pleasure to, to be on the show and uh, to connect with you and uh, your listeners. And, uh, you know, this is uh, something I never could have dreamed. And really, I, you know, I think it's something that uh, it, it helps to encourage everyone to get out and experience some of the tra great trails that America has that are just absolute treasures. Are, are, are you running right now, Harvey? <laughs> yes. You are. To be I honest with you, I got you, Dave. To be honest with you, like, uh, you know, there, this is a, a real uh, epic uh, battle yeah. every single day. So the record is about 48 miles a day in order to get you to that point at the Mount Katahdin, Maine, uh, with the fastest known time. And so there's no stop. <laughs> so wow. we've had a lot, every day has brought its own set of challenges and uh, peaks and valleys. Yeah. Are there no buses? <laughs> <laughs> Don't you have a no. Bentley that you can no. just hop in, on a, on a serious <laughs> note, and, and, and I'm not someone who does something like that, so I really have admiration for you. What what makes you think that, gee, I want to run 62 miles a day? I mean, that's, what are you yeah. doing? What bet did you lose, buddy? What, what is it that drives you? <laughs> I guess that's the yeah, question really on a serious note. What drives you to do this? Oh, man. Oh. Well, we're going to call back. And, yeah. and while we're calling back, he literally is he was running. Literally he was running. not stopped yeah, for the day. You could hear it. Well, but the call literally. just dropped. So he is out there. There have now. to be some moments that you're kind of walking. You can't run. I don't know if you're going to do 62 miles in a day. I don't think you're uh, you're not walking much. He is averaging, by jogging. the way, and all this is on roadid.com's website, but he's now got his average up to about 47, pushing 48. He's got to get it 
up close to 50 over the 2,200 miles in order to uh, achieve this to goal. This goal. He, he's and, calling back now. Cool. All right. Yeah, so that, that's a great question. You know, it, it's, uh, <laughs> you, you have to have a big why in order to survive something like this. It, uh, it, it really pushes you. And, uh, you know, it, one of the things that was really nice is the opportunity to bring my father and I together. Oh, it's a great uh, bonding, almost, yeah. He's almost 80, and he's not getting any younger, and neither am I, so it's really just a special you know, opportunity to do this. He's, he's my crew. Yeah, right now uh, it sounds like he's going to live longer than you. <laughs> <laughs> that, if people are taking bets on that. Hey, <laughs> hey, Harvey, Harvey, where are you? Right now, what state are you in right now? You started in Georgia. Well, to, to be honest with you, I'm not really sure myself. <laughs> okay. I had to ask uh, my friend Dave ahead of us. Uh, we we are in Tennessee, I believe. Okay. And uh, we are near the, we passed the Hoover Lake. Okay. What is it is? Yes. Hubert. Hubert, Hubert Lake, yes. All right. So, uh. We are somewhere around 435 miles in from, from uh, Springer Mountain, Georgia. That, you that, know, yeah. when, people run, uh, when people run the marathon, yeah. there's always this point, I don't know, 18, 19 miles or so, where they say they hit a wall. Right. Do you, in your, I assume you're not running at that same pace. I mean, that's not physically possible. But do no. you, is there a wait, point wait, in he it? Is, he is. What, what pace are you? He's like he's running faster pace. What pace are you running at, Harvey? Well, you know, it varies a lot. In order to be successful, you have to be very efficient. So right now, for example, we're, we're mainly hiking fast because it's uh, getting dark. And I don't I don't want to wipe out, but we're jogging on the downhills. Like right now, I'm jogging downhill. Yeah. And so if we're climbing, we're usually hiking. If we're going down, we're running. If I we're see. on a flat, we're running. But you'll look at the thing, you'll say, whoa, it seems kind of slow. If we're, at, we're averaging uh, three and a half miles uh, an hour, but the thing is, is that it's it's unprecedented in terms of the climb because the whole journey involves climbing Mount Everest 16 times, like 500,000 feet of climbing. So how long did so, you have to train for this, Harvey? Yeah, it's kind of wild. Did you, um, what kind of training did you do for this? Like, how do you even begin to get your body physically ready for this type of adventure? Oh, man. I don't know. <laughs> no. but it's like I woke up thing, one day. <laughs> this thing, it, 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 you know, being a teacher helps. Yeah. That you try to get everything done uh, efficiently. So it, I give my my um, you know the teachers out there because you know they're they're trying to do their best work they can. So definitely being a teacher helps. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And you saw. Uh, we heard when we made a test call to you just a few minutes ago. And people who have not been on the Appalachian Trail, there's a potential of black bears pretty much the whole distance. And they're urging backpackers to carry bear canisters and all that to protect your food. And sure. Not. So did he, have you seen any bears in your first nine days of doing this? Well, it's funny you say that because 
I just saw the first Bears uh, about 40 minutes ago. Is he still behind you? He's running a little faster <laughs> now. They're, they're, about, they're off to the left about 100 meters. Uh, okay. It was like we saw uh, three or four baby cubs. And uh, yeah. so that, that's, you know, honestly, we're entering their territory. So, you know, uh, it, with the black bears, they're, they're pretty, pretty harmless unless you get between a mom and the cubs. So, okay, you know, but if when you're the making bears, plenty of noise, they're, the, they're, they're going to be startled and move away. When a bear sees you running, <laughs> it's, I mean, when you see a bear, yeah. isn't that a good time to kind of pick it up casually walk? No, because <laughs> if a bear sees you running, won't he run after you thinking? I don't Wait, know. you want to be faster than your buddy then. No. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, How Dad. How fast is your dad? <laughs> Sorry, Pops. That's why you're no. there. Sorry, That's dad. why you took your father, because he's probably yeah. slower than you. Well, well let's yeah. draw. Hey, Harvey, let's draw this picture, because uh, I'm following you on RoadID.com. Uh, yes. You have, you're running this by yourself, but you have some people I've noticed and following on Facebook and on RoadID.com. Some of your right. running friends who have come out from Cincinnati and they're joining you on little pieces of it. Your father is not running it because he's driving the van, but you're doing yes. this. You have said we a couple times, but you're doing this solo largely, correct? Right. Okay. Tell us about food what to, and how are your feet doing? You know, some of the basic things. You got blisters. Yeah, yeah. So, well, about the crew, you know, it's really, uh, it's, we're going for the supported effort. And it's been phenomenal because uh, there have been days that have been really challenging where it's just my father and I, and it's really hard for him to find the intercepts because yeah. it's out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> and then it's hard for him to organize any type of other, like, aid when he's trying to find where we are. But we've had a lot of support from Cincinnati, which has been phenomenal, and had friends come down, and they've been great. Now, the food, uh, you really got to eat a lot of food because – if you don't, you won't survive. And so I basically say I'm, I'm eating like a Bengals linebacker right now. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I got to eat like a monster. Yep. And, uh, you know, honestly, that this, this is such a, a tough event. The first day we started with a, a, a basically a tropical storm, uh, Alberto. We delayed one day, but we couldn't delay forever. And so we started a middle of tropical storm. And so I went through all my shoes in the first 24 hours. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> wow. Yeah, all eight. Yeah, it was crazy. So my feet had blisters and everything. It was very rough. All right, Harvey. We're following you. And Good we're going to – I'm going to cool. stay in touch uh, through the website and Facebook and stuff. And I'll you know, occasionally give reports. And uh, maybe when you're done and we know you're going to do it, Harvey, you can do this. Yeah. You got to break this record. Add us to there the people. There we go. Add us to the We're people that are pulling for you. Yeah, and, and you know, this this is to everybody. You know, the thing is, is about this, uh, well, you know, I am driven uh, to um, try to make a positive impression to people that, like, what you have within you is greater than you ever dreamed. And, uh, you know, uh, you would think the human body can't run 50 miles and come back the next day and go 50 miles, and they keep doing it over and over again, such harsh conditions. But it's amazing what you can do with a positive mindset. So, all right, so thank you. Thank, thank you, you. Harvey Lewis. Whoa! Good talking. Bye bye, Harvey. Run safe.
All right, all right. All right, I appreciate it. Boy, I tell you, and just to give you a, No, uh, Gene, some, we are not running. Some quick, well. We're not going to do it. <laughs> that's where I was headed, Megan. I, I don't have the footwear Take for that. your pick. You're either going to run the AT or you're going to drive around America for uh, a week. Wow. Hey, that's and starting to look good now, yeah. Yeah, yeah I may yeah. start running. Turns out that Honda Civic is looking pretty sweet. Uh, hey, by the way, Harvey Lewis uh, in 2014 ran and won what is called the Badwater Ultramarathon, Death Valley to Mount Whitney, 130-plus miles long. So this guy is, uh, he's a freak. He's legit. This guy yeah. is, is like crazy. <laughs> and uh, it's just kind of fun to, I didn't you know, ask, but do people. you know like what his age, right? Like about how old he is? 40-ish. He's in his 40s. Thinking, wow. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm that's, thinking. I don't know. Oh, well, what well, age? I wrong 40, wrong I how old is Harvey? <laughs> Mid forties, mid forties. He has a. Uh, we have a uh, film crew here. They're doing a documentary yeah. about him, so you're going to hear more about it. So anyway, very cool. Uh, Harvey Lewis, uh, inspirational story. Jerry. Yeah. On a serious note, and by the way, we have uh, a group coming up. We had them on last week. We've asked them to come back. They're really good. They're the Coal Cave Hollow Boys from Athens, Ohio. Woo! Oh yeah. <clears throat> And uh, they're really a good, a good group. They are. So yeah. we're going to go back to, to them uh, before this episode's over. But Jerry, as we follow uh, Donald Trump and his uh, presidency, it seems like now with Rudy Giuliani, former mayor of New York, who is his at least his legal spokesperson. Yeah. They seem to change strategies or make up strategies almost by the week, and wondered, and you are, and we have talked about this before, you are an attorney, uh, graduate of Northwestern Law School, one of the best law schools in the country. Didn't practice that much. You've done other stuff in your life, but you are an mm -hmm. attorney. Is this approach a good one, this constantly evolving legal strategy, and what is that strategy? Well, it's more political strategy um, um, on what they're doing, because every day or Every couple of days, there's suddenly a new theory about how Trump is going to protect himself with all the, because it looks like Mueller's noose is tightening around his neck, and the question is, where is this all going to end? <clears throat> I think the most inventive theory came up in a memo that was just made public, where they are arguing, and it's a, I mean, it's a perfect law school kind of issue because it hasn't been resolved that they are now arguing, the Trump people, that the president can't obstruct justice because he's the president. He's the chief executive officer, and he chooses his own cabinet. He's the head of the administration. So as head of the administration, and the Justice Department is one of the uh, departments that, you know, he hires the the attorney general. And so as chief executive officer, theoretically, he can decide who I'm going to hire, what I want you guys to investigate, what I don't want you to investigate, how we're going to budget our money, our resources. I mean, in a normal company, that would be within his purview. So they are arguing, if you're the one that determines what is going to be investigated and what not, 
How can he obstruct justice if he simply makes the decision, you're fired, don't investigate this, stop that? He's the boss. Now, virtually anyone that knows the history of America says, wait a second, that sounds like if, if he can do anything he wants and it's not obstructing justice, that makes him like a king. And the whole purpose of the found, founding of America was that we were pulling away from a monarchy that we didn't want a king, that we wanted to create with our uh, Declaration of Independence and then the Constitution. We wanted to create a government of separation of powers, the balance of powers, so that no one person could be the king. No one should be above the law. And that seems like a very rational argument, which almost everyone in America would agree to. If you just ask them the question, regardless of their politics, do you think anyone should be above the law? You say no. Trump half-jokingly said at one point, you know, I could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue and I would get off. And, uh, of course, for those that are worried about that, that's not the case because even with the pardoning, um, if you shoot someone on Fifth Avenue in New York, that becomes state law, and he doesn't have any pardoning power over state law. So if he's going to shoot someone, it has to be in Washington, D.C., a federal. Just want <laughs> So if you want to be safe, stay out of Washington. Okay, so their theory is you can't, he can't, a president can't obstruct justice. It's kind of like what Nixon said in his interview with David Frost at the time. He says, I'm the president. How can I obstruct justice? Because I'm the one that determines what we're going to do and what's legal and what's not legal. Well, and he, then we come to the pardon. And the Constitution gives the president unfettered power to pardon anybody he wants. And there's no restrictions on it. He can pardon for federal crime anyone he wants. And it's silent on the question of, does that mean he could pardon himself? Well, the Constitution doesn't say he can't. So these are questions which, of course, we, we've only had fairly rational people in high office in the past, regardless of their politics, so no one ever thought this would ever really be an issue. It seems ludicrous that a president could pardon himself, but the truth is, when you then read the Constitution, there's nothing that says that he can't. So if he does this, so when Rudy Giuliani is coming out and now saying, number one, the president can't obstruct justice, so just cancel this whole thing. He can make the rule, and you can't obstruct justice. If he says, don't investigate, he's the boss. It just stops, or he fires these people. And he can pardon whoever he wants, so he can just say ahead of time. And you can pardon people ahead of time, by the way. You know, Nixon got pardoned for any crimes that he might have committed during Watergate. So he can just say, I'm going to pardon anyone, including myself, that's found to be, found to be colluding or so-called obstructing justice or whatever. So now you think, whoa, what are we going to do if he actually does this? That's what we call a constitutional crisis. Undoubtedly, it would immediately be tested and go to the Supreme Court. There'd be senators, someone would, you know, bring the law case immediately. The Supreme Court would deal with it immediately. Here are the options the Supreme Court can do. I believe that the Supreme Court would say, would buy the argument that even though the Constitution is quiet about it, 
the whole concept of the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence is that we're no longer a monarchy. Nobody can be above the law, and therefore, no, you can't pardon yourself. And yes, you can be uh, liable for um, obstruction of justice. But they will, Trump will argue, or his lawyers will argue, he's not saying he's above the law. He's saying that when he exercises his pardoning power, he's within the law. He's allowed to do it, so therefore he's not putting himself above the law. He's saying the law says I can do this, so I'm within the law. So the Supreme Court, there may be some on the court, even though I don't think they would, that says, yeah, he's got a point. So I believe then the court would take the next step. Even though you have the power to do things, the power to pardon, the power to pick your attorney general, the power to decide what the Justice Department should do, even if you have the power to do something, it doesn't mean that that power can't be abused. Like you can abuse a power if you have a criminal intent. But what's the remedy for abuse of power? He's not going to get indicted. They're not going to try him while he's president. So it goes back to what ultimately this crisis is coming to. The only remedy for abuse of power, which remember, we can now, that is what he could be liable for. Even if he says he can't obstruct justice, even if he says I can pardon anyone I want, there still is a concept of abuse of power. But the only remedy for abuse of power, which is not a statutory crime, the only remedy for abuse of power is impeachment because it's a political process. Once again, we get to the ultimate Trump strategy. They know they can't win in a court of law. If there is a trial, the evidence is going to be there for something, and he can't escape that. Their whole strategy is to get it, if they're going after him, make sure it's an impeachment. And why? Because in the, in the impeachment, as we've said, you can be impeached, as Clinton was, big deal. The only way you're removed from office is if two-thirds of the Senate votes you out, which means all Trump has to do to survive all of this is keep 34 Republican senators on his side. If 34 senators stay with him out of the 100, he stays in office, regardless of what crimes he committed, no matter what abuse. He just needs to keep 34. And how does he keep 34? Is by making this entire legal mess he's in. Collusion, or alleged collusion, alleged obstruction of justice, financial crimes, whatever it is. If he can make it seem that this is all political, that this is all partisan, that the FBI is really politically owned, that there's corruption in the Justice Department, if he can just make this a political argument, then at least 34 Republican senators will simply say, as they're saying now, Fake news. You can't believe what you hear. You can't believe what the uh, 
Mueller report is going to say. You can't believe what the courts are going to determine. It's all fake. It's all lies. Well, the majority of the people know that's not true, what he's saying. But if 34 Republican senators from Republican states can go back to their own constituency and say, I'm going to stay a loyal Republican because this is obviously partisan. They're just trying to get rid of our president. I'm staying with him. That'll be their excuse. And Trump survives. That is their strategy. Every headline you have heard for the last two or three months, when it all seems crazy, when it all seems chaotic, when it all seems like they don't know what they're doing, wrong. They're smart like a fox. Not Trump, but the people around him. Smart like a fox. They know exactly what they're trying to do. Make this whole thing partisan. Whole thing, they're ganging up on Trump, knowing full well you don't have to win a majority of the people. You don't have to win 40% of the people. You just have to win 34 senators. That's what this is all about. All right. So we're going to welcome back to our stage for another week the Cold Cave Hollow Boys, also known as Thomas Adams and Lincoln Mash. Welcome back, guys. Hey, guys. Happy to have you again. So now, how long have you two gentlemen been playing together? Um, just probably short of a year. Just short of a year? Okay. And so you've got a lot coming up. You guys are busy. So tell yeah. us a little bit about what's on your plate in the next couple of months here. Um, well, tomorrow... Well, <laughs> you can we, say tomorrow. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we've got a Woodlands Tavern show. Yeah. Uh, with Billy Strings. Very cool. And um, we've got Duck Creek Log Jam. Duck Creek Log Jam. That sounds like fun. Then <laughs> <laughs> I've got live at what is why would I don't I can't read the. It's a it's an EP that was recorded at oh. one of our sets from Woodlands Tavern on February nineteenth. And what's the title of it? Um, it's just uh, Live at Woodlands Tavern. Woodlands Tavern. Okay, very cool. And again, we can check these guys out at Spotify, iTunes, the Cold Cave Hollow Boys. So what are you going to sing for us this evening? Um, we're going to do another song that I wrote. Okay. Um, and what's it we, called? We haven't recorded it yet, but it'll be on our album that we're working on. It's called Ohio Valley Girl. Ohio Valley Girl. Nice title. Let's hear it. In Ohio, a place I left long ago. There's a girl who's always waiting for me to come back home. I left one day for music, went to go home and play my show. I beg that she'd come with me 
But she knew that she couldn't go She's my Ohio Valley girl Don't you know how long to see her waiting for me She's my Ohio Valley girl Nothing that I want more in can't see these gentlemen. I, I don't know how old you are, but you don't look old enough to have a voice that's soulful. And like, yeah. It's yeah. really cool. More importantly, do you have a Ohio Valley girl? <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, and... let's bring her on out. <laughs> <laughs> now, it's very cool. We're, how old are, are you? How old are you, by the way? I'm um, 17. Oh, oh my yeah. God. <laughs> yeah. That's a crime. <laughs> see, that's talent, Jerry. That's what we call talent. That's ridiculous. I have... <laughs> So who are your who are your influences and how did seven, seventeen how did you get into this type of music because it's beautiful your your um, sound is gorgeous. I've always been around bluegrass music. Yeah. So, and I've pulled to that. Yeah. And. How did you two meet? How did this come together? Um, my I, dad. Yeah, I used to play pool in a bar with his dad. So you're not seventeen. I am not seventeen. No, yeah. <laughs> I'm. A very young 30. Very young 30. You are a young 30, man. I wouldn't have guessed that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, what do you have for us next? Um, an old fiddle tune called Salt Creek. Okay, Salt Creek. Show off some of our picking skills, I guess. Good. We love picking down here at the public school. Let's hear it. Thank you. 
hey, let, me, let me ask you a question. What's your first name again? Uh, Lincoln. That's Lincoln. Lincoln. So Lincoln is 17 years old. Lincoln. <laughs> Gene, what were you doing and at he 17? Was, <laughs> yeah. And he was doing that guitar picking. Have you ever heard of a bluegrass picker from the Cincinnati area called uh, Vernon McIntyre Jr.? Mm. Well, I, I first saw him uh, in the 1960s. I don't know how old he is today, but he was about your age back then. And he was an amazing picker. Now he's, he's got to be 50s at least. He was a young, maybe older. Mm-hmm. Uh, your skills are really honed You're for a 17-year-old. <laughs> so who, just to ask you this, who taught you how to pick like that at such a young age? And what year did you start? And why weren't you doing your homework? <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, you say you're really, self-taught. All the all the picking stuff, yeah, I'm self-taught. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> my uncle helped a little bit on just learning the chords, but all yeah. the picking stuff. Man, that's just, a gift. Yeah, it's really good. That's really, really good that's for 17. It's amazing. You know, it's funny. Before the show, you know, you guys were sitting there and we were just making conversation. You said you're from Athens, Ohio. We said, oh, you you go to Ohio University. Not, <laughs> did, you just, did you just graduate this year from high school? No, I'm going to be a senior next year. Oh. Oh, wow. just stop it. I have socks so I, your age. In fact, I'm wearing them. <laughs> do your classmates know that you do this on the side? Are they aware of it? Uh, yeah, actually, this is, this is the only thing I do for yeah. a job. That's really cool. That's fair. Do they come out and support you and stuff? Yeah. That's really, really cool, man. You got, that's so much talent. It's Give crazy. a shout out to your high school. What's a high yeah, we're school? T- uh, well, I went to Nelsonville, York, but now I go to Tri-County. It's Tri-County. a vocational school. Very Good. cool. Good very, you. very cool. Again, we're going to hear uh, one more song from you gentlemen from the cave, the Cold Cave Hollow Boys, Thomas Adams and Lincoln Mash. Take it away with Down by the Riverside. And Jerry's going to jump in. listening. Check out our website at jerryspringer.com. 